Ryan Stanton here with ASAP Frontline, uh, joined today uh, with one of our keynote speakers from ASAP 23. So if you're going to Philadelphia, we're actually going to uh, actually release this the same day that I record it. So if you're listening to it the day I, that I date, the day I release it, you're actually just a few hours behind when I recorded it. And you may actually be behind uh, where uh, Dr. Bosky is anyway. So, um, you know, because she's in the, she's there in uh, in the old world, per se. And uh, so Helena Bosky, Dr. Helena Bosky is going to be with us. And she's going to talk about a little bit how the brain works with us. You know, the brain's in a very important aspect of emergency medicine and medicine in general. And we're going to talk a little bit about how the brain can help us and potentially hinder us. And it actually reminds me of the, the show that came out in 2011, ran through 2022, off and on, on uh, National Geographic uh, brain games about how the brain can fool you and the whole ideas about illusions and how the brain tries to simplify things and to translate things into the simplest form possible and how that can actually fool us. Now, how does that translate into emergency medicine? How does the brain try to make things more efficient and easier to work through, especially with task management. So let's first and foremost, give us a little background on yourself and we'll roll from there. Well, hello everyone. My name is Helena and uh, I came to science. I'm a late starter in the world of science. I'd worked for many years in the corporate world, um, trying to figure out why certain things were, were going wrong, why certain things were going right. Uh, and I ended up studying psychology first and then delving deeper into the mysteries of the brain to get answers to some of the questions I was perpetually having. So I went back to university and started studying and I'm still studying because I can't let this topic go. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever looked at in my life. And it's, uh, you know, the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know, but it's a great pleasure to be speaking to you this evening or today, this morning, wherever you are. So we're mid-afternoon here, uh, Central Time Zone. I'm taking a couple of days for fall break here on the beach before we head up to Philadelphia with the family. Actually, I was working over the weekend, and just instead of going right back home, I took left to catch up to my family. And so I'm down here. We've got a you know a couple of days uh, as we prepare for ASEP 23 in Philadelphia. And you know the the kind of the main paragraph that comes across is on the shortcuts, the shortcuts the brain tries to take to expedite and to simplify complex situation. And there is no complex situation that is as potentially as complex as managing an emergency department 24 seven, 365. So give us a little background on uh, how the brain is going to try to work through these complex situations. Well, whether the situation is complex or not, the brain absolutely loves uh, taking the fastest route to anything because we have a brain that's designed to cope with a world that's long gone. So we actually have quite an old legacy instrument sitting inside our head. And this brain is used to uh, being able to tell us very quickly what might kill us, what might keep us alive, but mainly what will kill us. So it's learned to feed us very quick predictions to help us make decisions in real time because processing information that comes into the brain and then telling us what to do about that information would have taken time and that could have cost us our life. If you can imagine we were walking through um, the bush or the forest or um, any wilderness and we hear a rustle 
uh, it could have been a rustle, it could have been the wind, or it could have been, it could have meant that we were about to become someone's lunch. So the brains learn to be, try to be one step ahead. So this fast decision-making is still with us. And it, although we're now in a world where, you know, we're not, well, you could argue that emergency physicians are facing, well, they're, they're dealing with people and in, in real life or death situations, but mainly we're living in a world now where we're not facing saber-toothed tigers or lions and tigers and bears, but still we have this propensity to think quickly. And this switches on um, quite a, um, you, this, this, this survival mechanism, which is relevant for a world that, that would have been dangerous, but no longer relevant for today's world. Um, so in the world of emergency medicine, where you are having to make really rapid decisions, this is turned up even more. So you're reliant on this um, quick thinking system, which the brain is very good at doing, but sometimes it can make the wrong prediction. And this is called a prediction error. And we often don't realize we've made a prediction error until we, we see the results. So it's the outcome that really determines whether it's it's been a good prediction or not. So in our world, the saber-toothed tiger um, may not be something that's physically going to harm us, but you know we're we're thinking about the rustling that's going to harm the patient, whether that's a heart attack, whether it's a stroke, whether that's sepsis, and trying to hear those soft signals, those those hard signals, the things that may key us off. Because just like what you're talking about, that very primitive aspect of the brain, we are trying to take very little information because we have very little time with these patients. We're trying to react within minutes on these signals that we're receiving. You know, give us a little idea of how the brain can help us in that aspect of emergency medicine, but also may harm us as well. You already mentioned some of that, you know, that potential signal bias and, and how it may, you know, what we a lot of times we'll talk about anchoring and things of that nature. How in medicine is it going to help us or potentially hurt us as our brain is just trying to translate thousands and thousands of years ago to what we're seeing in, in modern emergency departments? The brain takes in information, um, which is known as sense data. So this is data that comes in through our sensory organs. And then it matches that to what it already knows. So this is happening um, rapidly. Uh, and the and, and with, with um, physicians, they're using their knowledge, their education, years of it often, to match to new information coming in. Now, sometimes that can lead to the wrong conclusion because sometimes we are then, uh, we see what we want to see. Sometimes we think we're seeing signs and we're making predictions based on what we know, but sometimes what we know isn't a great prediction of what's right in front of us. And we don't, the more expertise we build up, the less we question ourselves. So we're so reliant on our own experience, our knowledge, um, what's happened before, that sometimes even when we're faced with a completely unusual situation, we don't have those checks and balances in place. And sometimes all that means is we need to take a short pause. Even a pause of milliseconds can help us um, think more clearly, but we're not good thinkers anyway. We are fast thinkers, we're biased thinkers, we're emotional thinkers. And if you're in a very heightened um, emotional situation, which you could argue you are, even though physicians are taught to uh, to look at the data, to to uh, try to adopt some 
rationality, you're still going to be in a very um, emotional situation because you're dealing with um, very, very, uh, you know, big crises and um, potentially, as you said, a life or death situation. So all of that heightened state will lead us to often confirmation bias. Um, you know, uh, we we will check what we think we know, we see what we want to see, but sometimes we then don't uh, double check again, or we don't reflect early on. And this is very difficult to do when you're when you're up against time. So the the, the idea that the human is you know the homo homo sapien is is the top of the food chain theoretically, now, even though the viruses and the fungi may debate otherwise, you know, and, and that being the the larger brain that can actually take that primitive aspect of of our experiences and then translate that and and to critically evaluate what we're dealing with. So really send it up higher to that bigger, better, larger, newer part of the brain and break it down. Um, with regard to emergency medicine, because when we're dealing with a lot of these things, intuition is very important. But at the same time, sometimes you're going to fill in gaps that don't meant, aren't meant to be filled in, that aren't accurate. And you know that's what we talked about when I talk about brain games. A lot of times you're your brain will fill in information that's not there to try to make sense what you've already picked up. How does the brain, when it is picking up that information, potentially fill in those gaps incorrectly in an emergency department setting when we are trying to you know, get from A to proper diagnosis and management and trying to fill in that gap based on what we get in those first few seconds of that interpretation and evaluation? The brain is the brain is designed to whatever whatever we do to the brain. The brain is designed to reduce uncertainty, uh, because uncertainty is highly unpredictable. And in emergency medicine, you are living in a world where you need to create certainty quickly. So, in order to create certainty quickly and and pull all the information together to reach a diagnosis rapidly, in in a sense, you're a, you know you're a quick thinking detective you are trying to match this bit of information with this bit of information and then come to a really quick conclusion in order to do that um, the, the brain needs to uh, it's pattern forming it needs to see patterns in whatever is in front of it and and that's how it pieces bits of uh, information together to find certainty and closure the brain uncertainty is one of the worst things we can give the human brain and lack of closure is another one because uh, the brain likes to know that there's an end in sight. So this, this is why we pattern form. This is why we see, um, you know, we, we like to see um, stories and everything. We like to be able to um, make sense of things that can't be made sense of. Um, and we see, you know, and expectations often drive these patterns. So based on what you, you know, based on the patterns you're seeing, uh, and based on um, what you know, you think is in front of you, what you're expecting to be in front of you, this all leads you down a certain path. And often that path, as you said, you know, this is where um, emergency physicians do a fantastic job because often the path is correct. And this path, ha you have to find a path because you have to make this really quick decision. You don't have the option of slowing down too much. Um, a little delay, a little bit of a reflection might help you think more clearly. But in 
in a real world emergency situation, you're having to make these, you know, you're, you're playing to how the brain is actually designed, but there needs to be also some recognition that possibly sometimes it may not get you to the right place. And this is why we need people who are very different to us, who see the world through a completely different lens, um, who can spot the things that we're missing. Because out of all the information we're taking in around us, we can't possibly process all of that. We have to hone in on one thing or two things, but somebody else might have focused on something else entirely. So when you match it all together, you normally get a more accurate view. So you mentioned pattern form and you know I kind of translated it in my head as I do because just exactly what you're talking about is pattern forward you know is is how do you establish and play out this game how do you play out this play the act or whatever till the end and that's what we do as emergency physicians is we start now and we play out the entire thing to say this is where we are this is where we're going to be and this is how we're going to get there and then we respond you know, that we respond as things change and, and things develop in front of us. Um, and one of the largest focus, especially when we're talking about EMDI, you know, with, with uh, diversity inclusion in emergency medicine, is a lot of has to do with bias uh, and uh, conscious and subconscious bias. How does the bias, when we're taking care of patients, you know, how does that bias potentially in that in that brain trying to pattern forward uh, what we expect to see happen next may potentially benefit us as you've mentioned a little bit but also hold us back uh, potentially get us in a place where we are heading off in a path that may not be the direction that is where we need to go i think the thing to remember about biases is that they're not necessarily a bad thing because they're part of the the brain's the shortcut system in the brain. It's part of our psychological immune system. We need our biases. So the shortcuts, the heuristics we take, biases lead us there, and we need we rely on them heavily. We will never be free of our biases. Some people might be biased in certain areas more than others. Uh, we need to just face the fact that we're all biased, and we need to face that head on. Uh, and sometimes they actually help us deal very quickly with the situation in front of us but when they where they get in the way and and this is something that we're not always aware of until after the event is that they can lead us to stereotyping um, or they can lead us to uh, drawing an initial conclusion that is inaccurate uh, based on what we've seen before because our biases are built up from our childhood and our you know, our friendships and our cultural environment. And we rely on them to make sense of the world around us. Um, and this is why in the world that we're in now, where you know, we are lucky enough to be able to travel and be with people from different environments, educations, backgrounds, uh, professions, um, what that does is it enriches our, uh, our, our scope, if you like, and our view of the world so that we have more to work with, to play with, when we are trying to pattern form and piece together this information. Uh, but there are so many biases that we naturally fall foul of. Um, and, you know, in the world of uh, the world of law, the world of medicine, um, the world of anything where there's a high level of expertise, um, things like confirmation bias do play out or cognitive dissonance where we, you know, we can't 
we we don't like to feel that the world that our belief system is being contradicted by um facts coming in so we disregard the facts in order to uh, justify our own position even if we deep down know that our position might be erroneous we still uh, we still hold true to it and the more contradictory information we get often the more glued we become to our point of view because we absolutely we simply hate being wrong as well expertise is something that can be a blessing and a curse it can help us feel very clever very capable very successful but it narrows our view and uh, and so being able to say i don't know is something that as adults we have to get good at saying and in fact uncertainty is very important to us because it takes us to a different place where we experience doubt and we keep learning and we keep uh, being curious about the world around us. So we're constantly finding different types of answers to the ones we've already built up. That's one of the, the biggest challenges as a physician is you go through a significant amount of training, um, you know, medical school and then uh, residency for us here in the U.S. And then um, you come out and you have significant confidence, but you, you don't have the, the real world uh, that has you know, kind of taking you out at the knees and, and taught you that what you know is only what you know for what you know at the moment. And there is that experiential learning. And the example I can give is, is this Latin American gentleman who came in who had relatively minor, you know, abdominal pain. And of course, we're working up for appendicitis and, you know, it's, and, you know, it's, everything's fine. You're like, oh, well, if they can eat, it's not appendicitis. Well, you know, he eats some, does, goes through stuff, so fine, send him home. Comes back, you know, with florid appendicitis. Twelve hours later, come to find out, you know, uh, appendix that's, that's not the standard location, but also the cultural experiences, realizing that in his culture, the experience and expression of his symptoms were different than what I had seen in the past. And as you mentioned, with that traveling and kind of the world getting smaller, uh, with traveling, getting to see different uh, cultures and the way they experience the world and the way they experience life can expand and differ from the way we do ourselves. How do we, as physicians, bring together our more primitive aspect of our brain that's going to say, hey, this is what we're going to do to survive, and this is what we're going to do for them to survive. This is A, jump to zebra right now, and this is what we're going to do. How do we bridge that gap in, in order to not only keep an open differential diagnosis, in order to keep our mind open for things that may be different, that may go outside the standard deviation of presentation, uh, or and also... You know, how do we make sure that we are continuing to keep that more cognitive reassessment of the situation as opposed to anchoring early? It's it's a really hard, I mean, you know, as, as a physician, you don't want to feel that you've got it wrong because getting it wrong is not just a mistake on a spreadsheet. Getting it wrong could be, you know, have very severe consequences. So it's very hard to, you, you it's very hard to accept that sometimes you might get it wrong. Uh, and what um, the, the best thing that, uh, you know, emergency physicians, I think, can do is just find ways to have checks and balances in place to, um, to minimize, uh, to minimize a potential error, but know that you're never going to have, you know, you, there are going to be times when mistakes are made. And I think, 
it's just accepting that that is going to happen because we can't possibly have all the answers when you're presented with um, a pain or a you know or a, um, a certain set of symptoms uh, it might look like something but it may not be that thing and you might have all your you know all, all your cues that you rely on to, to gather your data to make sure that you're you know you're ticking everything off and still it might not get you to um to the right place uh, the the one of the best things and this is very hard for sometimes for experienced physicians but sometimes new people coming in you know junior very junior physicians who perhaps um, haven't built up the experience and might see the world through a completely different um, set of eyes uh, and who might ask questions because they haven't become blind to the uh, you know the ongoing methodologies and and processes and procedures that we tend to automatically follow sometimes allowing people to question up allowing curiosity to bubble up from more junior people which you know creating a culture where questions are and challenges are made sometimes that can help stop us in our tracks and we can then try and see what they see because they might actually see something we can't see uh, but recognizing as well that sometimes you know what we can see is the right thing so it's finding that it's finding that balance and none of that's easy at all. But I think the thing to accept is that, you know, we're not perfect specimens. <laughs> we'll never be perfect specimens. The more experience we build up, the more curiosity we have, the more open-minded we are, and the more we treat everything as a, an experience to learn, the more we will furnish our brains with the wherewithal to be able to make more accurate judgments about the world around us. But inevitably something might happen, happen a curveball might come and we just don't have enough inside us to be able to address that in the correct way. And just always being, having you know, a little bit of doubt in our heads is actually quite good for us because it keeps us learning and, uh, and on our toes a little. Now, you actually brought up a very important point because, you know, I was thinking about the idea of going through medical school and then going through residency, becoming a young attending, weathered attending, um, you know, physician. And, you know, this whole idea that your shortcomings early may be more that, that you just have an education information gap. Then you have this area where you are have the information, but you don't have the experience. You don't have the exposures. You don't have that person who came in that was completely like, I had this one patient one time kind of thing. And that that's, this is the way it presented. And so I'm going to look for this because I had somebody 10 years ago that presented just like this, even though it's not in the book. And so you have this bell curve, even though it's almost an inverse bell curve of, of, being able to think through things. And sometimes some of our weathered attendings are almost paralyzed uh, by the fact that they are looking for those zebras, as we call them, you know, the, the outliers, as opposed to the common things that may be there. How do we balance, how do we balance that inverse bell curve, the common things being common versus the zebras that are running around the horse farm kind of idea just to throw a little Kentucky in there while we're at it, is this, is this whole idea of, you know, that balance of that fluctuation throughout our career. Because, you know, the listeners to this podcast, they're not all my, they're not like me. 
You know, they, they, there's going to be older physicians, there's going to be younger physicians, there's going to be folks that aren't even physicians at all. Um, you know, with that broad spectrum of experience in healthcare, you know, balancing how the natural evolution of the brain works, of balancing that aspect of being able to bring in that data and get to the best and safest point possible without getting stuck in that circle of investigating every possible zebra that may be out there. Yes, because you haven't got time to look at every zebra out there and you do need to make very fast decisions. And there is no doubt that experience is immensely valuable when you are um, when you're at the coalface, when you are dealing with um, emergencies one after the other. There's no question that, you know, the more experience you have, uh, the more situations you will be exposed to. Uh, the more knowledge you will have to play with so that you can rely on that for future um, situations and diagnoses. I think, you know, and it's not to discount, experience is incredibly valuable, especially in this field. At the same time, um, there needs to be, you know, some openness and a door left open so that if even in the moments where you think you're 100% correct on something, if somebody questions that at some point, um, if there's time and opportunity, um, allow that question to take hold and allow that question to uh, make you question uh, and probe yourself for, you know, probe your own knowledge, because sometimes that might, that pause, that very short, sharp pause might might give you um, an additional insight, which could prove invaluable. So it's it's rely on the rely on the experience. Um, you will, you know, the cues you'll be getting, the you know the 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 patterns you'll be forming um, will be based on experience, and 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 they will be um, most of the time entirely correct. There may be times though where someone else's view contradictory though it may be, might give you a little bit of time to take stock of what you think you know. And a slight question, a slight doubt uh, might then make you look at it with a different pair of eyes. And then that might, you, you know, that momentary pause could then take you off on another, um, on another path. And that path might be the correct one. So it's just being able to um, you know, rely on the experience, but also allow a little bit of doubt sometimes to to take hold, which allows you to question when you have time and opportunity to do that. And, and allowing the environment around you, if you are a senior physician and you are you have more junior physicians around you, allowing the junior physicians to uh, to give you their insights. So because those are insights that will have long gone in the more experienced physicians. Well, as long as they don't ask us about the Krebs cycle, because uh, that's uh, we're going to let that one go. That's that's something I'm going to let those young physicians uh, take care of with them. So talking with uh, Dr. Helena Bosky, and she is actually our keynote, our opening keynote, opening session at uh, ASEP 23 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In fact, you know, I'm going to release this here later today. Um, and she's traveling here in about three days here to the U.S. Uh, to join us in Philadelphia with uh, 4,500 of my best friends uh, as we gather up there. It will be the safest city uh, in the United States for that day because there will be no city that has that many emergency physicians in one place at any given moment. 
And as we wrap up today, um, any closing thoughts? I don't want to give away your entire talk, so I need everybody to show up Monday. Uh, but any closing thoughts or anything that you have uh, in terms of wielding your brain, the kind of the idea of understanding the strengths and weaknesses of what sits between our ears and being able to use that to better take care of our patients in emergency medicine. Yes, yeah, so the you know even though I spoke about the brain as a, a legacy instrument that's based on the past, the uh, the wonderful news is that we have the ability to direct our own brain growth. Um, this is called self-directed neuroplasticity, and the brain we can mold and adapt the brain until the day we die, even if we live well into our nineties. So the brain is designed to be stretched and exercised like a muscle, and we have to challenge it all the time. So it, you know, there is, there's enormous hope for the brain, even though we do have a brain that's, that is uh, a quick thinking, sometimes lazy, very habitual brain. Uh, it is able to be, um, to, to, be, to be grown, to be developed, uh, and it, it really does respond well to, to being challenged and uh, to being tested. And so I will be explaining all of this when uh, we meet on Monday. Uh, and I will give you some um, easy and simple brain hacks to help you get the best out of your most valuable organ. That's what I like to hear. Now that's a teaser in the biz. That's great work. Uh, so Dr. Elena Bosky, uh, who will be joining us in six short days in Philadelphia, um, who will be teaching us about our brains and how it may help us or potentially hinder us in emergency medicine. So a great experiment, a great experience um, you know, because what I feel, <laughs> well, no experiments, uh, there could be, there could be. You... I'll talk about a few. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. And, you know, from my, my standpoint, you know, the whole idea of, you know, being able to keep that open mind, to be able to keep that, that intuition, that clinical gestalt that we talk about in medicine while still keeping that open differential to allow those zebras, if they decide to walk through the scene, uh, to be visualized. And so, you know, with with that in mind of how can we maximize ourselves as emergency physicians, and I love the fact that you mentioned um, almost that human element earlier, uh, where as physicians, we're not going to catch everything. We're not going to pick up everything uh, because things are going to happen. You know, as for young physicians that are listening, you're going to miss something. Um, and that's how we learn. Uh, but you're not going to catch everything. You're actually going to do more harm if you attempt to catch everything then if you understand that potential risk, um, that, that, that potential risk-benefit ratio that we always weigh in medicine. And so I look forward to that. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have a great time uh, there. I've already been there a few days by the time you arrive and look forward to seeing you. Hopefully uh, we can hang out and shake hands now that we are, uh, at this point, thousands of miles apart, but uh, here we will be face-to-face -face here within the next few days. And I appreciate your time and look forward uh, to the opening session, Daily Step 23. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. Do you have any uh, contact information if folks want to get in touch with you, if they have any questions, maybe if they want to send you some brain puzzles or something? <laughs> um, yeah, I could. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and, um, I, uh, and also I'm uh, registered with uh, leading authorities, the agency. So um, that's where if you feel up to it, if you want to explore more about the brain, that's where I'll be. All right. So Helena, Dr. Helena Bosky, and understand she is uh, six hours ahead of us 
uh, here. What time is it right there, right now? Is it 9.30? Uh, 9.30, yeah. Uh, don't worry. Okay. So she's five, five, hours, five hours ahead of us on the East Coast, six hours where I am currently at the moment. Uh, so keep that in mind if you try to reach out to her. But otherwise, uh, uh, say hello, uh, shake hands, and uh, appreciative of you joining us there in Philadelphia. As for me, you can uh, contact me, rstantonadaceptoe.org, rstantonadaceptoe.org, at Everyday Med on Twitter. Actually, it's X now. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, so check me out there. And until next time, I'm Dr. Ryan Stanton, and this has been some ASEP Frontline. If you're not on the front lines, you're on the sidelines. Cue the music. Quiet place. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. Da, da, da.